the research on the microbiota uh, of the body, the microbiome is definitely more abundant now than it ever has been before. And so now we can really see understand more about the gut microbiome and then also the skin microbiota. What are these microorganisms that are living on our skin and what impacts them? And that there actually is a connection between when our gut is in a healthy uh, microbiome state that can help our skin microbiome. And then when there's dysbiosis in the gut, that that can also show up as, you know, dysbiosis issues on the skin. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Well, hello there. It is episode 231 of the Anthropology Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And I'm I'm super delighted to bring to you an amazing uh, colleague and friend and innovator in the world of naturopathic medicine. And her name is Dr. Trevor Cates. And for those of you who are, are practitioners who've been hanging out in the space for uh, a period of time, her, her name will certainly not be new to you. But Dr. Trevor Cates has been working to improve our health on the inside as a reflection of our health on the outside, speaking about uh, skin health for the better part of a decade. She is so well informed on this topic. We're going into the minutia and nitty gritty of our microbiome on our skin, what elements of our skincare routine we really need to say goodbye to, and some of the commonly held myths about skincare that are still pervasive within our common dialogue. Dr. Cates is so full of wisdom and insight. You're absolutely going to love her, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to her now. Dr. Trevor Cates, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. I feel like this has been a long time coming and I have so enjoyed talking to you over the years and watching the work that you're doing. We're going to cover a full gamut of your experience today. We're going to talk about skin, which is your area of expertise. We're going to talk a little bit about business and where I would love to start this conversation is if you could share with my listeners the story of how you got to where you are now, the amazing work you are doing uh, with the spa doctor.com and, uh, and the way that you really are transforming people's health. Oh, thank you. So, well, I, like many people, I, I did have my own personal journey that, that led me here. And so when I was a kid, I had a lot of health issues, a lot of allergies and it showed up on my skin, eczema, hives, mysterious bumps and itchy rashes that would appear. And I, my parents took me to see a lot of different specialists and I was uh, given lots of different medications, both topically and orally. And I had allergic reactions or adverse reactions to everything that they put me on. And I'm one of those sensitive people, right? And so I would react to everything. And uh, I remember how frustrating it was both physically and mentally, emotionally to, to struggle with skin 
problems because it the, the discomfort, the itching and all of that, and sometimes pain associated with skin eruptions, but also being embarrassed, especially with the, the eruptions I had on my face that I couldn't hide it. And, you know, thankfully, my parents didn't give up. They kept searching. Even there were there was one doctor that said, well, your daughter's just allergic to everything in Virginia. So the only thing is you should just move. <laughs> And and so thankfully, my parents didn't give up. They kept searching and they eventually found a holistic practitioner they took me to. And it was the one thing that really turned my health around, my skin around my and eventually like my self-esteem and just feeling like a regular kid. But I remember I was probably around 11 years old. I remember thinking, why did I have to go through all of this to be given the option of a holistic approach. Why didn't the doctors ever mention this? Years of, I mean, even had my tonsils taken out and everything. I'm like, why did I have to go through all this and then finally find this solution? And then like, immediate results. And so it planted a seed in my in my head early at an early age. And it wasn't until I was in um, undergraduate school at Tulane that I learned about naturopathic medical school. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is exactly the approach that I've been looking for. And so I was actually planning on going to law school at the time. I ended up having to go back and do all my pre-med classes and everything. So that's what led me to go to naturopathic medical school. And now I've been in practice for over 20 years. But it was really about 10 years ago I was working in that I started focusing more on skin. I was working in the Walter Fastoria Spa in Park City. I was the doctor in the spa, the spa doctor. And I was doing leading my patients through a two-week weight loss program. And at the end of the two weeks, they would say, Dr. Cates, I've lost all this weight. I feel great. But what surprises me is my skin. I wanted to know my skin could look this good. So their skin issues were disappearing or they just had that more like healthy, vibrant glow. And to me, I was like, well, of course, I, this is what led me on the path. I understand that skin is our outer reflection of overall health. So it made sense to me, but I realized that people weren't making that connection because the conventional approach to dermatology is, oh, you have a skin issue, use this topical steroid, let's suppress it. And you're not really getting to healthy skin. You're just suppressing the issue at hand. Or women will just say, oh, how can I use more makeup to cover up my Uh, air quotes here, flaws, Um, but not really realizing this connection. So that's what led me to write my book, Clean Skin From Within, and talk to people about how skin is our largest organ. It's our magic mirror that gives us great clues about our overall health. So looking at addressing root causes rather than ignoring them and suppressing them. So that's what led me to write my book and then also create the Spa Doctor skincare line because also people were looking for natural skincare options that I just couldn't find a great solution for. It infuriates me, the level of education and opposition that we encounter as practitioners. I mean, you focused on skin, so you would have seen this at a totally different level, but it was rare that I would have the opportunity to interact with someone's additional care provider, in many cases, their medical doctor, who was really open to the idea that we could actually treat the skin naturally, that we could address hormones, that we could address the gut, that these things had any connection. There was was almost this disdain for 
um, for looking at that approach to health. Where does that come from? Like if I was a medical doctor, I feel like this is the best news I've ever heard. I can take milk out of my four-year-old patient's diet and their eczema goes away. Like, like I would be relishing in that, in that knowledge that that actually has very rarely been uh, my experience. Is that something that you, you share? Well, yes. And I do think that there's a shift happening now. There are more integrative dermatologists, people that are a lot more functional medicine, MDs that are opening up to this idea. And, and actually a lot of the research that supports the gut skin connection are, you know, like done by dermatologists and you know, people discovering this. So I think, um, I think it's happening. It's just not widespread. It's not universal. And it does take, as we know, as a conventional medicine, it can take time for them to change their um, protocol. I mean, their, you know, standards of practice and all of that. So I do think it's shifting and it's happening, but unfortunately it's not happening fast enough. <laughs> right. Okay. So educate listeners on this because I know so many people have also had this experience, right? Where something comes up on their skin and, and, uh, and it is something topical or in many cases, you know, I was talking to a neighbor the other day and she's like, oh, you know, I'm having problems with my skin. So I, I was put on a drug called spironolactone and it influences testosterone. And I was like, great. What testing did they do? She's like, oh, like they didn't do any, they didn't do any testing. And, you know, this is, this is, again, I feel like it's sort of the tragedy of it, but the, the fastest way for us to combat that is through education. So let's start on this educational level what like what is the connection between the gut and the skin? What's the connection between the inside of our body and our skin? Yeah, well, I mean, it is it is really amazing that we have all this research now and that supports that understanding of the gut skin connection, and um, and you know, hopefully, people are really starting to understand this, and I think the public is really starting to understand it too. Hearing about leaky gut and. Uh, that's become more of a common term now as naturopaths. We've been talking about it for many, many years, but right. it's really nice to see mainstream talking about it now and the importance of the, the gut skin connection and the research on the microbiota uh, of the body, the microbiome is definitely more abundant now than it ever has been before. And so now we can really see understand more about the gut microbiome and then also the skin microbiota. What are these microorganisms that are living on our skin and what impacts them? And that there actually is a connection between when our gut is in a healthy uh, microbiome state that can help our skin microbiome. And then when there's dysbiosis in the gut, that that can also show up as, you know, dysbiosis issues on the skin. And just like we can have leaky gut, we can also have leaky skin. And so the, you know, our, we think about our skin, it's our largest organ, and it functions as it's, you know, one of the biggest functions is a barrier to the outside world. So it has these built in mechanisms and its structure and function to protect our bodies from the environment. And one of the things that protects it, it are these microorganisms that live on our skin. And so as we learn more about that, I think people are starting to realize, oh, wow, all these things that we've been doing internally as well as externally. So internally having to do, we talk about the microbiome, talking about the gut microbiome, how that impacts the skin and how, how important that is to, to address, but also all these things that we're doing with our hygiene practices topically how that 
has been damaging. So all the antibiotics we've been taking internally and all of these, you know, the hand sanitizers and the, the bleaches that we use for cleaning and all of these things, which, you know, of course, it, it, it is great that we have all these hygiene practices and have kept us safe from, from many um, different uh, diseases and things, but we've kind of gone overboard with it. So now we've created these imbalances both internally and externally, and we have to reverse the, the damage. And, and hopefully more people that get educated about this, they can start with their children and prevent some of the things like that we've all done along the road. Like we need to make different decisions for the future, uh, for, you know, for our kids as well. Okay, so if you could highlight a few of those key decisions right now, like the floor is yours, the policy listeners are, are, are policymakers are listening. Like, what are some of those decisions that you would just sweepingly make on our behalf? Right. Well, I mean, it starts with during pregnancy, even when in the womb, that we're now realizing that that the the gut microbiome of the 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 embryo the the baby the developing baby starts before even birth and that so what whatever the mom is doing and making sure that she is fully nourished and her microbiome is supported and then of course having a vaginal birth when possible because and I know it's not always possible, but when possible to do that, that also helps with establishing the uh, the, the gut microbiome of the the child that's being born, and then um, and then just starting with I mean the whole process of what are we introducing into the diet, and what kind of hygiene practices do we have? Do we really need to have all of these? Uh, bleaches and sanitizers in our homes when this is really our own germs. Like this, these are not the harmful ones. The places where we need these really strong cleaning agents are things, places like hospitals where there right. are a lot of harmful germs. And, you know, and then of course, like public bathrooms and restaurants. And, you know, we need to be mindful of that. But in our homes, we overdo it. And so I think um, even just I think with all of the hand sanitizers and all that, of course, I understand why they're out there. But when you're in your home, really just washing your hands with soap and water is all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally appreciate that. And, and my kids at the beginning of the pandemic, I would look at their hands. I finally reached out to their school and I was like, like we need an exemption from the sanitize every 30 second policy because their hands were literally bleeding from the chemical that was going on their hand. And I was like, there's an increase, like the risk, the risk has swung, has swung the other way. And, you know, I think we're, we're, we're getting so micro-focused on a particular problem right now that no one is asking, you know, what are the sweeping consequences? And, you know, I, I would love to get your perspective on this thing we do to ourselves every single day, which is, which is, throw on product, whether it is makeup or creams or, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm fascinated with the stuff that we, we do every day. Like the stuff you do twice a year, I'm way less concerned with, but the stuff that you do every single day, that's what actually starts to get my attention. I'm wondering, Trevor, if you could speak to that a little bit, like what do we need to be mindful of when it comes to putting things on, on our skin? What do we need to do away with? What we should we be looking for? Yeah, absolutely. Great questions. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times, people forget what they're putting on their skin and how it can get absorbed into their system. So I think that's the first thing to be aware of is, 
you know, not that you need to be able to necessarily eat everything that you put on your skin, but it is a good kind of test to like stop and say, what I put this in my mouth? Um, because, you know, when you when you put something in your mouth, a lot of times you think more carefully about you know, what is this is this good for me or not. But if you can't, then what you know, ask questions, why not? So what's what's in this product and why can't I consume it? Because really it is going to get into your bloodstream, not the same way that when you eat something, of course, it, it is a different um, level of absorption than when you put something on the skin. But we use nicotine patches, hormone creams on the skin, because we know that that's a route of, of administering medications. So what, when we're using topical skincare products with synthetic fragrance, with parabens, um, chemical sunscreens, these ingredients can get into our bloodstream. And there are many studies that are actually looking at this, like endocrine disrupting chemicals, this class of chemicals that have these hormone disrupting effects in the body. And you know, what's interesting about this is as a, especially for women, but to a certain extent, men too, as we get older, we're using more skincare products, but works and we're and our hormones are starting to get, you know, a little bit more off track a little bit at times. And yet we're putting more of these chemicals into our bodies and creating more disruption. So I think a big focus for uh, people should be on these endocrine disrupting chemicals. Of course, we want to avoid carcinogenic ingredients as well. But, you know, in the in the United States, there have been very few ingredients banned. I think there are around 11, 12 ingredients now banned in the United States, whereas in Europe, they've banned over, the EU has banned over a thousand ingredients in personal care products. I don't know what the, how many are there are in Canada. I don't know what the regulations are. I think they're a little bit stricter than they are here, but not, not still not as good as- um, Not as good as they should be. Yeah, but yeah, not as good as they should be. But you know, with these, I think people, the first thing is people forget that you can absorb these. And then you start thinking, okay, how many of these products are you actually using? And you're probably using um, nine, at least nine personal care products a day, which can expose you to over 100, 126 unique ingredients. And then if these are not regulated, you have to start wondering, okay, what are you putting on your skin and what's getting into circulation? And there are studies showing that things like phthalates and parabens or show up in human samples. And so they do get absorbed. And some of these are harder to get out of the body. And like you said, it's really the daily products that we use. Yeah. And that's why I created a daily skincare system, the, the daily essential skincare system, because that was the first product I wanted to create, because I know these are the products that people are using every day. If they're coming into the wild of Astoria Spa where I was working and they're, you know, they're just getting, you know, their facial once a month or something, and there are some, a few ingredients, their body is able to kind of get right. those out. But when you're using these products every day, your body's never getting a break from them. Yeah. So the biggest one I tell people to watch out for is fragrance because fragrance is in so many of our personal care products. And, and we're not just talking about skincare here. We're talking about hair products, makeups, deodorants, shaving lotions, sunscreens, all of these different things. And then in addition, cleaning products and a lot of things in your home also have fragrance. So it is one of the biggest ones. And 
with fragrance, it's listed as a single ingredient, but it's not a single ingredient. It's got a bunch of different ingredients, and some of those are endocrine disrupting chemicals, including diethyl phthalate, which is a plasticizing agent that's used in fragrance to help the smell last longer, but it is an, a known endocrine disrupting chemical. So if you can only start one place, I would say to try and look for fragrance-free or the products scented with organic essential oils because you don't have the downside of, of that, but you also have, there's some really beautiful upsides to essential oils and mood enhancing benefits. And it really right. helps. I mean, I think I really encourage people to have a really good self-care routine. And I want you to use skincare products. I want you to use personal care products because it can be such a, an important part of your self-care. But using things like essential oils instead in your personal care products is way healthier for you and adds an additional benefit to your self-care routine. I, I really love that suggestion. I, and I know we're going to have some people who are like, but I can't put oil on my skin. Are there certain essential oils we can start with that are that are more hospitable to those people who, who know that oils are a trigger for them? Well, you know, and it's interesting because there that's actually one of the common myths out there is that people think that if they have oily skin, they can't use oil. But I can't, you know, I kind of like the similarity that I see is back in the 80s when, you know, everybody was like low fat diets, like fat right. bad, don't right. eat fast. But now we know, oh, no, we need fat yes. and we just need the right ones. So the thing is similar with skincare products. You don't want to avoid oils for your skin because your skin actually benefits from getting the right oils from plant-based oils. The right. problem is, is that a lot of skincare products are made with mineral oil and mineral oil is um, is harmful for the skin. It's harmful for the skin microbiome. And they're also using ingredients like dimethicone that trap in moisture. And that actually can also disrupt the skin microbiome. So instead using plant-based oils that allow your skin to breathe, that help balance the natural oils in your skin. So for, um, I mean, and, and also with essential oils, it's such a small amount of the essential oil yeah. that it's not going to uh, you know, create oilier skin. And sometimes it does take a little while for people to get used to using plant-based oils and their skincare products. But my experience has always been that when they give it time, when they get used to it, they're amazed because one of the biggest mistakes people make in their skincare routine is the first step, which is cleansing. A lot of people use the foamy cleansers, bars of soap, and right. our skin actually has this mild acidity to it. There's natural oils in our skin that protect our skin and help support the skin microbiome. And when we use these foamy cleansers, they have a high pH and they also strip the skin. So that squeaky clean feeling that people are so programmed to be used to, that's actually not a good thing for our skin because you're stripping everything away. But it's great for skincare manufacturers because then they give you all these extra products to use right. to build your skin back up. Okay, now use a toner to get your skin to the right back to the right pH. And now use all of our lotions that actually don't, that are only just going to further disrupt your skin. So you need more of our products. <laughs> it's the drug that treats the side effects of the drug. Okay, so share with, I, I want to come back and ask about sunscreen in a second, but can you just share with us your spa essentials? line like yeah. what informed that and and what have you put into that i mean in a granular detail but also like what are the steps to it because we 
we overcomplicate it. And as health, you know, as, as skincare consumers, I feel like we are, I just feel so susceptible to the marketing on this. We don't know, like we, we don't know, we don't need the toner or maybe we do like, can you just set us straight? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when I was looking at, and I, you know, when I was writing my book, I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to create a skincare line, but it was sort of out of necessity because my patients were saying to me, well, Dr. Cates, I know you want me to use natural skincare products, but they don't work. And I was like, well, well that's not right. But let me, let me look at the research. And I, and I started to learn more about the pH of products and how essential that is to support the natural mild acidity of the skin. And so one of the the big things is that you want your, and the research shows that um, a pH of 4.6 to 5, especially for the face, is ideal for, to help support the mild acidity of our skin. And anything over 5.5 is definitely going to be disruptive. Now, if you think about that, even water has a pH of seven, which is too high. So and then I've had other people say, oh, I just rinse my face with water. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not gonna help you either. And especially if you already have damage to your skin, which a lot of people have that leaky skin issue, you need to be able to support that back up. So one of the big things is the pH of the products. And so all of my skincare products are designed with that mild acidity in mind. And I can tell you with creating a cleanser, it's not necessarily easy to do that, but we have done that with our step one cleanser. And, um, and so then the other thing is to actually have natural actives because, um, a lot of times, you know, like in a supplement, it'll say, CoQ10 or various things, but right. you don't necessarily know it's the highest quality or the right amount. Or so that's the other thing I was realizing about skincare products is that there was uh, they would mention an ingredient, but it actually wasn't enough of it to actually do anything. So you want those natural actives in their active, the natural ingredients in their active form in the right amounts, and of course you want them to be clean. So that's why I, you know, it was kind of the foundation of why I created the Spot Doctor line because I couldn't find all those things uh, with a skincare company. And then I wanted to keep it simple because if you go on those principles, you don't need different skincare systems for different skincare types, for different skin types because you're talking about supporting the health of the skin. You're talking yeah, about for sure. supporting the skin microbiome. So it's just four steps, cleanser, an antioxidant serum, uh, an enriched moisturizer, and a plant-based oil blend we call our Globu. So that's our four-step system. And it's very simple. It's for all skin types because of the way it works. And we just tell people based if they have drier or oilier skin, we give them modifications on how to use the product. But it's amazing. We get people with all different skin types getting benefits from it. Amazing. And so one thing I noticed you didn't say was there is a sunscreen that we have everyone put on at the end. What is your, what is your take on that? I feel like of all, there's two questions that I feel like and land in my DMS more than anything else. One, what natural deodorant do you recommend? Like, I just feel like it's the biggest misnomer in health period is what deodorant to use. And two, um, what do we do about sunscreen? What's your yeah. take on those two? Yeah, those are, those are, um, challenging ones. So with deodorant, What's interesting is there are actually studies on antiperspirants causing disruptions in the, uh, the skin microbiota and actually creating more malodorous bacteria. So when you're using an antiperspirant in the long term, 
and short term, you're actually making the problem worse. You're making yourself stinkier. So get rid of the antiperspirant. That's the first thing. (laughs) And then, you know, then you're like, okay, now I have these, there are all these natural deodorants. Well, I really think it's a personal decision. There are DIY recipes that you can, you can make your own deodorant if you want to go fully natural. Um, And then there's sort of, you know, natural ones in the, um, you know, you can find the health food stores and things. So I would, there's not one brand that I think works well for everyone. And I, it's not one that we've created, but that's a, a good place to start. And, you know, look at the ingredients. You want them to be right. aluminum free and that sort of thing. But with sunscreen, I definitely, we are looking at creating a sunscreen. It is a tricky one though, because of the SPF with it and regulations to, you know, can change and you, you know, you have to go through the FDA with this and, and uh, the sun protection on it. But I would say there, there are plenty of sunscreens out there that do offer natural protection. So the first thing is to look for a mineral based sunscreen not a chemical one. So basically the the zinc oxide, titanium dioxide, those types of ingredients, they work more of a barrier versus the oxybenzone, which is an endocrine disrupting chemical. You know, those types of chemical sunscreens are creating a chemical reaction in the skin. So the barrier function of the, the mineral sunscreens, I think is much safer and actually is not only are you not as concerned about the endocrine disrupting chemicals, but also I think it works better as, as an, an SPF, as a protection, broad spectrum, you know, different right. types of UV, ray, UV rays. And then of course you want to look at the other ingredients because then you'll say like, oh, well, then there's fragrance and then there are parabens and there are all these other ingredients. So you have to make sure those aren't in there as well. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, as someone with, with young kids, it isn't an option for me to just not put sunscreen on them. Like they, they just burn. These poor kids will burn, uh, to a a crisp, but I think there's a balance and I I really appreciate, uh, that perspective. Absolutely. you know, I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit about your, your journey as an entrepreneur through all of this. I mean, you, you, you talked about having this, you know, compelling experience and you studied naturopathic medicine and I had a similar story. I feel like all of our colleagues who end up in naturopathic medicine had these like epiphanies that drove them, um, in that direction, but you have really been relentless in your, in your messaging around skin health. And then you bringing your product line to, uh, to fruition. Not everyone has that built into them. What is behind that entrepreneurial spirit for you? Well, I think that when you have a passion for something, especially when you've gone through the struggle for yourself, that um, I think it's so important to follow your passion. There have been times where I've been working and working on something and I've realized this isn't really what I'm passionate about. So I I need to back up and, and, and look at what is the angle that I really love. Like for me, the science behind skin, and it's not just, um, you know, uh, you know, here's your skin diagnosis and what do, how do I treat it? But like, how do we really achieve healthy skin has been an important thing for me. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that I would say for people is that following your passion and, and whenever you feel like you get to a point where it's not there, you're kind of losing it, which, which does happen, right? It, it, I yeah. mean, I've been doing this over 20 years. I've been a naturopathic doctor and there've been times where I'm like, this is, this is not my favorite thing. And so, or it's not anymore. And so, right. okay, so how can I, can I adjust and go with that? And I mean, I'm working on my next book now and I'm, um, got a new, you know, another little new angle that I'm going to be doing with that. And, you know, I think it's, 
that's what makes it exciting. And that's what makes it me feel like I want to keep going. And I also think it's important to have a really good team around you. Mm-hmm. And that is your team that works with you, the support that you have, at the very least having a really great assistant or somebody that has that kind of role for you. And I know I know you have a great, it sounds like you have a great one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I don't even know. I couldn't operate without them is where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So having a really good team and it's not just the people that work for you or with you, but also your community, like Megan, Mm -hmm. you know, like our community of, of practitioners and getting together, even if it has to be virtually and doing things like this, it, it does make you, uh, cause as an entrepreneur, it can feel kind of lonely sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So you might, sometimes you think you're a little bit crazy that you just work like this. (laughs) Well, you know, it's so true. My father was an entrepreneur. My my mom was a, a school principal and she's the one who's constantly like, you know, you need to take a break and you, you should stop working. And you should, and I was like, but I like, I pop out of bed every day, excited to do the stuff that I put into, uh, into the world. But absolutely. If you don't have that community who is able to support you or bounce ideas off of it, uh, it can be a lonely journey at times. Yeah. And sure. having that balance, like you're talking about is really key. I think for me, switching to the online space was, it does, I work more than I used to when I have clinical practice, but I get to work from wherever I want to be. Like right now I'm in, I'm in Baja, Mexico when we're doing this recording. I mean, I, you know, I get to, I get to go and and do things like this um, because, um, because I have an online company, but you know, I also still work but I create yeah. that balance and yeah. of, of finding that as, as naturopathic physicians, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not set, setting a good example for the people that follow us or our patients that we help. It's so true. And I love, I love that you've gotten outside the box of how you want to deliver uh, naturopathic care and naturopathic philosophy. And we, we were taught one thing in school that there's these one-on-one visits and this is how we deliver health. And I think you're a really fantastic example of someone who's gotten outside the box, who's actually moving the needle on, on health, who's changing the direction uh, of a conversation. And you're not, you're not doing it in a singular model, you're doing it in a manner that works on your own terms. It's amazing. I, I feel like this is a perfect place to transition the interview. I have a section I call our KPIs. So just like we have KPIs in our business, I believe we have them in how we live our lives as well. So I've got four rapid fire questions for you. Um, indulge me here. So what is your most recommended book or idea in 2021? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, there, there are so many, um, uh, I mean, I think I, I'm going to go with an idea cause I'm overwhelmed with the number of books that are on my nightstand right now. I'm trying to figure out which one of those I would recommend. And by, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm still good with having a Kindle because I can have a ton of books on that. I'm the same. I yeah. can read little bits here and there, but I mean, I think that, I really think that would go back to the idea of our daily practices being the biggest thing. I think that we have this tendency to go, okay, I'm going to do this detox once a year, or I'm going to, on the weekend, I'm going to take a break or I'm, but really it's these daily practices that we have. And whether that's eating, you know, it's eating healthy, it's skincare, it's um, mindfulness, exercise, all of that 
coming up with a daily routine. And if you don't get to that practice each day, it's okay, but do your best. You know, if you miss a few days here and there, it's okay. But these are really where it makes a difference. For sure. And on that, on that idea of, you know, there's things that we can do to put into place every day. What is your favorite health hack? My favorite health hack, <clears throat> I would say meditation. I mean, I think it's not something we were taught in naturopathic medical school, but I think that, you know, if there's one thing I wish, you know, we could have like inserted in there is starting off classes with the meditation. <laughs> Because when you when I like learning meditation for me helps me center my day or maybe I'm having a stressful moment. I have some meditative practices that I that I use that just help me ground, get back to recenter. And I know a lot of times people say, how do you how are you a single mom and you're running a company and you're, you know, doing all these things and like meditation, if it weren't for meditation, there's. I think that I, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do. Fair enough. And I, I love how frequently that answer, uh, that answer comes up. Trevor, how would you define your purpose? I, I would say my purpose is about helping people transform. And I think that's one of the reasons why skin is such an important thing for me is we see our skin, we see each other's skin, and it is an outer reflection of our health. So helping people with transform their skin is really important to me. But the transformation for that does start inside. And we talked some about gut uh, gut health and that being a root cause, but it's also so much more than that of, of how we feel on the outs, outside is, um, I mean, how we feel on the inside, it, you know, reflects on the outside. So helping people with transformation is, is really key for me. And last question for you, entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? That's a good question. I think it's both. I think that, I think there are some of us that just pop into this world as independent thinkers and wanting to be leaders rather than followers. I think in my family, um, it was definitely learned as well. My parents always encouraged us, my, my, my sisters and I, to think outside the box and to do things our own way. So I think for me, it was it's a little bit of both. And I, that's kind of what I see in other people too, is it's a combination. I love it. Dr. Trevor Cates, you're doing such amazing work from Mexico. I am jealous. Where can we send people to learn more about the stuff that you're putting out into the world? Absolutely. So the spa doctor.com is my website. It's T H E S P A D R.com. So doctor is abbreviated. We're also on social media on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. And um, I would also encourage people to take the skin quiz. It's an, a free online quiz at the skin Find out what your skin personality type is. And so they'll give you some, some good tips on how to take care of your skin from the inside out. Amazing. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Megan. I absolutely love it when I have an opportunity to sit down with Trevor. She has such insightful things to do, and she is an incredibly hard worker. She's built an amazing business doing really awesome work in the world, and I think she's such an incredible example of uh, entrepreneurs making a difference. You know, speaking of entrepreneurs making a difference, 
that's kind of the people I like to hang with. If you want to be with your people, if you want to hang out with people just like you interested and hanging out at the confluence of health and mindset and entrepreneurship, you're definitely going to want to join us inside the Anthropology Collective Facebook group. It's where we, you know, there's people just like you, all of us trying to make our way in the world, increase our productivity, have fun along the way and maintain our health in the process. The other element of this conversation is absolutely being carried on over on my Instagram. You can find me at Dr. Megan Walker. We'll be having a poll conducted today all about skin health. I'd love for you to participate and follow me over there. And lastly, if you are looking for our show notes, you can head to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast and you'll find this episode right at the top of the page. As always, I am Megan Walker. I'm wishing you an impactful week ahead, and we'll see you back here when the episode drops again next Tuesday. Bye.